Many Americans believe that something very bad happened in the 2020 presidential election. Many believe that the rightful winner of that election is sitting at home and an imposter in his office. Someone defiantly convinced of this, someone who's put his money, lots of it, where his mouth is, that person is Mike Lindell. He recently held an event in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the point of which was to once and for all convince America that the election was stolen from Donald Trump thanks to the interference of China. In this episode, I'm going to talk to someone who attended Lindell's Cyber Symposium. I'm Paul Dragu, and this is Freedom is the Cure. Mike Lindell has expanded vast resources to spread this message. He's on a mission to absolutely convince America that the election was absolutely stolen. Before the 2020 election, Lindell was just the MyPillow guy, the charismatic business owner who plays the lead in commercials extolling his products. But while Americans are losing sleep over their belief that the crime of the century has been committed, Lindell has worked tirelessly to prove it and to help bring justice. Trump agrees the election was stolen as he has never walked back any of his claims that he really won. So for three days, starting August 10th, Lindell held a three-day invitation-only event, the Cyber Symposium. He brought in cybersecurity and election experts to deliver presentations to state legislators and media. He promised that he would show, once and for all, absolute proof that the wrong guy is sitting in the Oval Office. The New American Magazine, an affiliate of the John Birch Society, sent a small team of reporters there. And in this episode, I'm going to talk to one of them, Annalisa Pesek. So Annalisa, I want to thank you for coming on. And I'm just going to start right off and ask you, what was your impression when you arrived to this event? Yeah, so this was the Mike Lindell Cyber Symposium and it's held in Sioux Falls, South Dakota at this place called the Alliance for Military. It's like a... Um, a veterans club. Uh, it was an interesting facility. They had a gun range, a bar, and like a main stage, and another area where you could, you know, hold different types of conference events. It was it was a very interesting facility. So and it and it worked well for the symposium, I think, because we had different areas for different purposes. And we can get into this more um, a little bit later, but basically you had rooms set up for where the data was to be looked at. And these rooms were called breakout rooms. And then you had rooms um, for a mock election. And in those rooms, you went through, an, you know, you basically participated in a mock election and the organizers showed how a hacker could inf- uh, access the system and how votes are changed or can be changed. So overall, my first impressions of this event were th- what's going to be revealed here. I was yeah. excited. He invited apparently legislators, state legislators from 50, from all 50 states. What other kind of people were there he invited the cyber experts there were computer programmers and cybersecurity experts from around the country i spoke to several of them there were also like you said elected officials and every day mike would he would 
count the number of representatives from different states. So, um, you know, by yesterday, there were representatives from all 50 states. By Thursday, the last day. Yeah. How many people were there, mm -hmm. would you say, in, including the legislators and the attendees and then, of course, the presenters? It looked like uh, at times it was kind of packed. And then I read through media that sometimes they say that people that had left. Uh, is, was that the case? Yeah, it started off with maybe 200. I, I eyeballed the crowd and then I, I went to the staff and asked for the number of attendees and they would not give me that information. It was mm -hmm. uh, unusual. Um, and I did tell them I was media and I was reporting on the event. So it would just be helpful to know how many attendees were invited um, to get an ad account, but I would say about 200 uh, when the event kicked off and then it would thin out on Wednesday. It was thinning out in the afternoon, but then Thursday morning, it was a full house and Thursday afternoon, it was packed. And we were, we were kind of the last ones to leave. So tell me about some of the craziness. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there seems to be wherever you were, it doesn't seem like you had to be there to obviously see that there was a, a sense of, of, I don't know, chaos is the right word but of course you had the delayed start and then as we all saw uh he you know he said he was attacked and whatnot what's your take on that well that's a good question what is your take on the craziness <laughs> um you know the more i talk to people the less crazy it seemed because people had a purpose for being there whether they were a cybersecurity expert who came to analyze the data or they were an elected official who was there to get information to take back to their legislature. So from afar, it looked unorganized and it looked a, a little bit fly by the seat of your pants. We've got a panel of experts. Well, who are these experts? What are they going to talk about? It would have been maybe helpful to have a program that outlined the day. So in that sense, it was a little unorganized. But again, I, I think that putting that aside and looking at what Mike Lindell was really trying to achieve, and he spent a lot of time talking to the audience. And this was really his show. You know, he is a committed patriot. He loves this country. He has the resources to do something like this. And he, this the full office symposium. And regardless of the outcome, I think that was the, the success of the event was that it drew patriots together. People were exchanging ideas, people were networking and it could have been run more efficiently and we could have had more information. And I know there were a lot of people who were frustrated with not being able to access certain data they were promised and then being surprised when um, there was new information presented that they couldn't analyze. So I guess it was Wednesday when the Mesa County election officials came forward. And maybe you read about this a little bit in, in some reports. I'm writing about it. Tina Peterson or Pearson? Yeah. Yeah. Tina Peters, I think. Um, she's the uh, county clerk for Mesa County in Colorado. And mm -hmm. I guess the story goes that she backed up information from the election servers. And prior to Dominion voting systems coming in and updating their systems prior to November, so I guess this would be October. She was then accused by her Secretary of State 
Jenna Griswold of permitting unauthorized persons into the election office and the Secretary of State just really clamped down on her and, and said that she had um, released passwords. And it sounds like this Tina Peters was investigating what she thought might be some, something was suspicious, something was off. And I, I don't know how she went about doing that. So um, the Secretary of State, whether she was in her jurisdiction to kind of fight back or fire back at this, her actions, it's, it's still kind of convoluted in the sense of what really happened. But then... The files came out on the on the main stage screen, and we had these cyber experts walking us through files that seemed to be changed. And so for the layman like myself, who's not a computer programmer, doesn't understand what uh, I'm looking at and when, I, when I'm looking at what they're called, these data uh, packet captures, these CPACs, they call them. Packet captures. Yeah. Yeah. C-packs. That was supposed to be, that was supposed to be the proof. Right. It was supposed to capture those moments. Right. That the ch- uh, the votes were flipped. Was that is that the idea? Am I right? Yeah, that's <laughs> the idea that um, these packet captures and packet captures, as I understand it. And you should watch my interview with a man named Bill Alderson. Mm-hmm. He is one of these experts who has devoted his life to analyzing this kind of data. I did an interview with him and he will do a much better job of explaining what packet captures are than I I will be able to do. But I can tell you that basically these are packets of data that are transferred between, uh, from our machines. So any of our electronic devices that we're using right now are formulating these data packet captures and sending them to across the wire. If you if you look at, you can find out where the information is going, where it's been and what it is. So you can decode, you know, de-encrypt it, decode it if you're a cyber, pro, a cyber expert or a computer programmer. So what these experts were hoping to do with this data that Mike Lindell promised was to identify, yes, what the data was saying, what was being transmitted, where it was coming from, and at what point it might have been um, intercepted or, I guess, transferred from different parts of the world, if you because you can identify that through examining these packet captures. Does that yeah. make sense? It, it's a li- it's it's complicated, but it, if you watch the interview with this man, uh, Bill Alderson, he explains it very well, and he ha- actually shows um, screenshots of these these different data packets. So, you had done the interview with him, I believe it was on the second day. By then, he had said he'd been in one of these breakout rooms where supposedly this this information was these packet captures that proved it. But he says he saw he didn't see. I guess what was be convincing that votes were flipped. Right. He said, I didn't see anything. Did that change from what I understand? And correct me if I'm wrong. Experts, this is what they were waiting for. Did we get to a point where experts or people who understood how this stuff works saw these packet captures and said, this is the evidence. This is what we needed. This is the absolute proof. It it comes down to was the information available? I believe it's safe to say the answer is inconclusive. It's inconclusive. It's an ongoing analysis at this point. You have to realize that there were 37 terabytes of data 
That mm-hmm. is an incredible amount of data. But one cyber expert I talked to, and his name is Harry Hursty, and I also did a interview with him. Mm-hmm. He's a kind of a world-renowned hacker. And he told me that the information was nothing. Uh, those are his words. There's nothing here. Um, I don't know that he's a huge advocate of Mike Lindell. I don't know his motivations. I don't really know his political stance. But from a cyber expert point of view, he was very disappointed and very frustrated with not having the data he was promised. I, I met him on the, on the show floor. I was looking at this big screen of data, like scrolling numbers. And he happened to be standing next to me and I didn't know who he was. And I just said to him, do you understand what this means? And he said, well, it means nothing. And I said, well, how do you know? And he said, well, because I, this is what I do for a living. I, I look at data. And of course that screen we were looking at wasn't data in the breakout rooms. It was an example of what might've been voter information. I really have no idea what that was, but he started to explain to me the differences between the diff, uh, categories and Mm-hmm. what each row meant and why it couldn't be valid. So I did follow up with him. I asked him who he was and he said, I'm Harry Hursty. And I looked him up and I said, oh, this guy's a, you know, a big time hacker. So there were people like him who were really, like you said, it came down to that. It came down to the data. And because the data wasn't there, he was furious. Um, on the other side of that, there were people who were not there so much for the data but to see what anomalies these other experts were presenting on the election and what that showed for evidence uh, indicating fraud. And there was a lot of that, like um, uh, deviations, statistical anomalies, deviation, sure, irregularities, things that were statistically impossible. It was, there was a very interesting presentation from um, a statistician named... Um, Dr. Douglas Frank. I, are you familiar with him? No, I'm he, not. I, he, I tuned in right after his presentation. Okay. I tuned in yeah. and out, obviously, like well, probably like most people. Well, he did an interesting presentation on the statistical probabilities of the number of, okay, let's say the number of votes cast versus the number of voters registered. And in many cases, there was a huge discrepancy by thousands, tens of thousands. So you had uh, 90,000, let's just say 90,000 votes cast and in a town of 50,000. And he would, he examined these anomalies. And, you know, it begs the question of if we're finding these deviations, why are why is this not being reported to the Department of Justice um, or these election federal election officials or our state officials? If if it is being reported to state officials, are they reporting it? And then why is this not being investigated at a higher um, authority? And why are our federal officials saying this was the most secure? election in American history. That's where I was scratching my head all the time, because if this evidence is in fact valid, why are we not, uh, why has this been ignored? Uh, maybe I have too much faith still in Amer- the American um, system 
to believe that this couldn't happen, that we couldn't allow for 100,000 votes to be cast in a place where there are those people don't exist. And it's very discouraging to think that this is going on, um, but it was compelling. I mean, there was a lot of compelling evidence um, shown. I remember attending a meeting in Outagamee County in Wisconsin. Uh, and one of the things they had talked about was, for instance, cleaning voter registration rolls. From my understanding, that's always been an issue. Uh, you know, you, people die or they move out, whatnot. But uh, the, one of the presenters there, he, he was a legislator and he worked with uh, attorneys for the Republican Party to get this done. And he said every time they would go to court to get this up, they would be opposed in court, like vehemently. So th- th- it seems rather interesting that you would oppose that. You know, we want the data. We yeah. want the evidence. We don't just want to go on faith we, we, on, you know, some theories and stuff like that. And so that's really what I wanted to know. Did he present reliable data? You know, the deviation seemed to be, I think that's somewhat that falls in somewhat in that category, right? You have these bellwether counties, right? And it seems like they all were, or most of them were wrong, right? Is that one of the, the presentations you guys saw? Or? Yeah, I think that's one of the examples of an anomaly that does not make sense because Trump won, but I think it was 18 bellwether counties, which means basically that the the person who wins these counties is is the is the projected winner of the the election. Um, and because he won all these counties, but did not come on to- out on top in the end is kind of flabbergasting. It's it's stunning. It hasn't ever happened, uh, maybe in hundred years. And again, we we need to double check the facts here. But it it's true that it just didn't make sense statistically. So that was one example. I have no doubt in my mind that there was in massive fraud. I mean, we look at Maricopa County, the audit in Maricopa County. We've heard findings that show that, for example, 70,000 plus ballots have no um, source attached to them. Where did they come from? That's concrete. That's hard fact. And there's a lot more than that coming out of Maricopa County. I agree that we need, we should audit all the 50 states. We should, and we should be able to do that with the support of the Democrats, because the Democrats are going to be in the next election. And this isn't just about a party. And, you know, something Mike Lindell said a lot, this isn't about a party, this is about our country. And this is about uh, restoring honesty and integrity to our um, elections. And that is what the people at this conference want the most. They want to be, I believe, they want to be, they want to have free and fair elections. And this isn't about Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It is really about getting the country back to a a place where we are sure that our elections are safe and secure. So one interesting thing that I want to talk about um, before we, you know, have to go here is on the last day, a group of legislators got together and this was led by, I think this coalition that they've formed was led by Virginia State Senator Amanda Chase is her name. Also, Arizona State Senator Wendy Rogers was part of this, and they've decided to form what they're calling the Election Integrity Caucus. This is a, a group that is, has legislators from across the country. I counted at 30 
Um, and they vowed to get together monthly and discuss reforms, discuss uh, plans forward in their states and how they're going to go about pursuing greater uh, election integrity laws. So that's a, that, was, that was big news, good news. And going back to the data quickly, it's inconclusive. I just want our listeners to know that it is inconclusive. There is ongoing analysis. It's not to say that something couldn't be discovered down the road, but as of today, it's, it's inconclusive. So, so those packet captures, were they, were they delivered or did they not come through? I, I guess I'm still confused about that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am too, honestly. I could not go in the room. Media was not allowed in those breakout rooms. So we couldn't see what was on those screens. But after talking with Bill Alderson, who I interviewed, and, and Harry Hursty, who I interviewed, and some others, a, a woman I spoke with, she's a information specialist from Tennessee. And she told me that she was downloading all of that data that they had in those rooms, they couldn't take it out of the room. So she was spending her entire day just downloading the data. But after you download it, you have to examine it. You have to analyze it. So I'm not sure it could even have happened in three days. How do you yeah. examine, how do you download and examine that and analyze data. 37 terabytes? Even if you took a representative sampling, let's say you took a smaller amount. And this is what uh, Harry Hursty told me. You just take a, a, a small amount and, and analyze that. It still takes a lot of time. So the, there was data there. What the data was, I can't tell you. I, I don't know if anybody can tell you. Which begs the question. Yeah. It's like, why not? Why wouldn't they maybe have had that data available? Why wouldn't he bring people in after the data has been downloaded? And then kind of have, you know, a few days to analyze it. Why download it and spend three days downloading without obviously leaving enough time to analyze it? Yeah, right. I wish I could. I wish I could give you more answers. Um, yeah. But it was very confusing. It was like, and you got different answers from different people. So I, I spoke to this elected official from Colorado, and he had not been in the breakout rooms but he was convinced that the data showed the, the breach or that there was an interception from China. So how did he know that without looking at the data? I don't know, was he just wanting to believe that? Did he see something and he's not saying what that was? There were a lot of questions swirling around about the data. And I, I don't know how they're gonna handle that. I don't know if Mike Lindell will address that down the road, he didn't address the data, except he had presentations where, like I said, that data from uh, Mesa County, Colorado was on the screen and they walked people through it. Mm -hmm. But even walking people through it who don't regularly read code or understand what they're looking at, we're all just yeah. a little confused and uh, <laughs> trying well. to trying to just yeah get it get a candle on it but but you know a lot of people are frustrated 
election fraud is a fact. It has happened. The crux of it and that you yeah. hear is that, you know, people have been convicted of it. This is this is not a secret. There are dead people on voter registration rolls. These things are facts. So obviously yes. there's some semblance. There's no way you yes. can take that and say there's not some semblance of, of voter fraud. Obviously, the pivot point, the sticking point is, was there enough to affect the outcome? You know, it sounds like we're left with faith in a way, because you and I don't know how to analyze data. And apparently the few people you spoke to, nobody, experts who know and understand data were able to say, I have seen something that is truly convincing, because that apparently has not happened. But what we can say, and what you just did say, and it's really important to push this, is there was fraud in this election. I believe personally that that there was a massive fraud and we don't know the extent, but could it have changed the election? Was this election stolen from President Trump? Signs point to, I, I mean, just the way it was handled, just the, the dark darkness that went on election night, right? These, these counties that just stopped counting all of a sudden. We've never been given answers by these anomalies occurred and we have not been given answers by our federal officials who are claiming it was most secure election in history they haven't investigated any of these uh, affidavits these i mean there have been thousands of people who have come forward saying that they saw something that something was what what happened in their county was not right I did speak to a lawyer yesterday. His name is um, uh, Professor David Clements, and he has worked with uh, hundreds and um, thousands of people who have come forward with these affidavits. And these are not just your average, I, I guess, um, poll watcher. These are election. These, these people have been working in elections for decades. They know of the elections process. And they said what they saw and observed in the 2020 election was was something that is, you know never should happen. I can't give you specific examples, but we all watched the hearings that uh, Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, uh, who was on the, the Trump team of lawyers who went around and conducted those hearings presenting that information. We know that those judges that they presented their case to dismissed them for lack of standing they didn't have didn't even look at it yeah but right but as we as we have been told they didn't even look at the evidence right so that is the most frustrating part is regardless of the data okay and what we can pinpoint as far as a attack on the system a cyber attack we have these this other evidence that is deserving of attention and it hasn't received it and i think that's where people are just so frustrated and they you know are are looking for ways to um be heard you know i I heard a lot at this conference we we have to take this to the court of public opinion we have to not go to to our to our justice our justice system is broken um due process is broken in this country and a real concern of where where we are um, as far as our 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 law our laws go and uh, our um, judiciary. It's it's really curious if you think about it that 
we, we there's a pile of affidavits, obviously, from coast to coast of people saying that they saw something irregular that they were there. And then, you know, they were saw lots of concerning things. Why would not why would everyone not be interested in either dispelling the, you know, if you're on the other side, you'd be interested in dispelling them. And then you can say, look at those idiots. They've been crying about this for 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 a year. Let's finally show them. I mean, that's that seems like a logical approach. And, and but th that's obviously not happening. There seems to be a lot of resistance always, you know, and I guess maybe their excuse is like, look, are we going to do this every four years? This, this is ridiculous. Maybe that's what they say. You know, I think I've, I kind of see that point, too. But it doesn't happen every four years like this, you know, so well, why it don't... happened in 2016. They they remember they accused the Russians You're right, of right. hacking. And, yeah. and collusion with the Russians, but they didn't really so, go after. And that it, like, was the Democrats, right? They haven't. They haven't gone after it like like people have gone after it this um, yeah. for the twenty twenty election. But again, there was a lot more citizen coming. A lot more citizens coming forward. I don't remember in twenty sixteen thousands of affidavits coming in of saying yeah. that, you know we couldn't get into the election center. We weren't allowed to observe. We were told to get go home we were treated terribly this was an unusual election right and then you you we haven't even talked about covid we haven't even talked about the the way the states changed their laws to accommodate covid and the mail-in ballots and what that how, how that affected right they bypass legislatures that, yeah. yeah yeah those, those yeah, yeah I mean, those are very there's those are all legitimate and you would think that everyone would be on board with saying okay this was a really unusual year it was really crazy and we just happened to have our election and we have millions of people i would say millions i don't know I'm, there's millions of people who believe this was stolen or this there was something really really irregular compromised. You would, yeah, yeah you you would think that yeah, that everyone would come together and be like, look, we understand it makes sense. We have to restore trust in our elections. Let's all get on board. But that is not happening. And so I think that leads a lot of people to, to believe it's like something's there. They don't want us to see. And obviously it would be in China's interest to not have Donald Trump in the White House. That's that's a given. It really would be, you know, and so you start putting these things together and you're like, Okay, so it all comes together. It's like they don't want us to see something. What do they not want us to see? We have, you know, uh, we have China, who obviously does not like us, who President Trump put tariffs on, who, you know, they had nothing to win from it. It could happen. It's very plausible. Now, if we could just get the data to confirm or deny, that'd be great. That'd be great. And that's that's what <laughs> they want. But that's all. Yeah. But that's not that doesn't seem. And it sounds like we still don't have. He didn't necessarily deliver absolute proof and so i guess the saga continues right where we go what's his plan you know he's gonna keep fighting glendale is the fighter i i think the path forward is keep fighting that's the message keep questioning um keep asking and investigating and don't give up and uh propose keep proposing to your legislators to, for change and and to look more closely at, look and support legislators in your area who are standing up um there's a list of senators and um, representatives that are participating in this election integrity caucus i need to get all of their names and um i i will i will put that on the website so that people can find out who in their state 
is standing up because it's really up to us. And this was something that was the message over the last few days. It's up to the people um, to, we elect these officials, we can take these officials out. And well, depending on if the system's so rigged that, you know, we get another, you know, after the Delta, there's the Gamma or the Lambda or the, um, after they run out there of the Greek Kappa. alphabet, they're going to start, yeah, they're going to start, they're going to start assigning the stars, stars oh, names. Dear. Did you hear that? No, no. Um, I, so I we may be in this forever. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think, yeah, the way forward is to, to not give up. And that maybe sounds really simplified, but to keep fighting this because it is a, is a, if we don't fight it, then there's no chance of winning. We do yeah. fight. There's, there's a good chance. I would think that most people would be satisfied with, with the truth. We just, we just want the truth. And like, like, it seems there's lots of resistance of just finally reaching a conclusion. I wish I wish we could and whatever happens happens and take it from there. So anyway, thank you so much for your time, Annalisa, and thank you for, for get, being there on the ground and, and, and reporting. Um, there are links to your stories in, in here in the podcast below, and we look forward to hearing, hearing more from you on this. Thank you so much. Before we go, I wanted to add a few things. After talking to Annalisa, I followed up on a couple of the items that we discussed. One of those items was the number of bellwether counties that got it wrong in 2020. Of the 19 counties across the country to correctly pick the president every time over the past 10 election cycles, only Clallam County in Washington state saw a majority back Joe Biden for president. That's obviously an astounding deviation. That means that 18 counties suddenly got it wrong in 2020. The prevailing mainstream explanation for this aberration is political polarization, conveniently buttressed by a notion that few would challenge, that being that the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, was and is a very polarizing figure. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Another topic that we touched on was the number of fraud allegations related to the 2020 election. According to the Stanford-MIT COVID-related election litigation tracker, what a mouthful, huh? An unprecedented 646 voter fraud-related complaints are or have worked their way through the courts. As I said earlier, election fraud is a fact. It has happened, and there's no reason to believe that it has stopped. In May of 2020, before the most controversial election in American history happened, the Heritage Foundation had already reported over 1,200 proven cases of voter fraud existed in the U.S. Among the examples cited were the 2018 9th Congressional District race in North Carolina, which was overturned by the State Election Board. Here's how Reuters reported on that. North Carolina's Elections Board on Thursday ordered a new election for a U.S. House seat after officials said corruption surrounding absentee ballots tainted the results of a 2018 vote that has embarrassed the Republican Party. If you were wondering how Reuters reported on the 2020 election fraud allegations, here's a snippet from a February 15, 2021 article. Reuters fact check has debunked a series of similar false claims of election fraud. Some can be seen here, 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 here. So... There's that. There are more anomalies and irregularities we can talk about, but I'd like to read this from The Spectator before we finish off with an action item. In the end, to accept Joe Biden as our legitimate chief executive, we must believe the voters hammered the Democrats in congressional, state, and local elections, yet decided to elect the leader of their party president. 
we must believe that he dramatically underperformed among minority voters, yet received 10 million more votes than Barack Obama. We must believe that virtually all of the reliable election bellwethers were wrong, and we must believe that all of the elections in the swing states were conducted honestly and that the software used to tabulate the votes was secure. So, where does that leave us? While 2020 brought the need for election reform to the forefront, America has needed election reform for a very long time. At the beginning of this year, the John Birch Society launched our Restore Election Integrity Action Project. And you can find more about it on our website, jbs.org, under Action Projects. So the Restore Election Integrity Action Project, in it we list 14 problems with our elections, most of which have been happening way before 2020. And we list each problem's correlative solutions, including a push for in-person voting on Election Day with voter IDs, repeal laws allowing for no-excuse absentee balloting, reinstate precincts, clean up voter registration lists, protect evidence and punish fraud, require an absolute chain of custody for ballots, repeal laws that allow for unattended drop boxes for ballots. Please go to the website. Again, it's at jbs.org under Action Projects. And check it out and learn more. So restoring election integrity is up to the people of every state. And almost all reforms can be accomplished on the state level. This is why they're trying to federalize elections with fraudulently named bills like the For the People Act. There's nothing for the people about it. And there'll be nothing easy about getting this done. The forces that fight against freedom are hard at work. Our action project also includes instructions on how to reform a Restore Election Integrity Committee. We provide a short manual that gives you all the information you need to form a committee in your neighborhood, in your community, to restore your state's elections. We provide a link to the manual, many of the sources we cited in the description for this podcast. Now, I'll sign off with this quote attributed to Samuel Adams. The liberties of our country, the freedom of our civil constitution, are worth defending at all hazards. And it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. We have received them as a fair inheritance from our worthy ancestors. They purchased them for us with toil and danger and expense of treasure and blood and transmitted them to us with care and diligence. It will bring an everlasting mark of infamy on the present generation, enlightened as it is, if we should suffer them to be wrested from us.